There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Blue Murder Club. My name is Carrie and I'm your host and this morning I'm accompanied by my very good friend and fellow host, Stess. Lauren, hostess with the mostest. The hostess with the mostest. Hello Lauren, how are you doing babe? Yeah, not bad, how are you? I'm really good, thank you. Good to be back. Yeah, we had a little break because we... We had a bit of a Milk technical day. hitch a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? So this is the second attempt at recording. Hey, hey. So yeah, we thought we'd have a break, but now we're like super excited, I think. We're refreshed, we've got a great yeah. concept in the bag and we're ready to go. Yeah, exactly. Even though we haven't done record much recording, we have, we've done a lot of like planning and work and yeah. all the behind the scenes bits and bobs, so we're proper fired up, so... Apologies if I'm talking too fast, don't have to be too loud. <laughs> Just so excited. Just really excited, really well, eager. It's so organic our podcast, I think. We've not yeah. produced by, we do everything ourselves. So yeah. it does take a lot of behind the scenes effort. We both work, I've got two jobs, you work full time. Yeah. It takes a lot of time. Yeah. And when something like that goes, I think it was like three hours worth of our work work that we've just lost. Yeah. Um, and it's a bit soul destroying. Mm, so um, yeah. It's but we're true. back, we're on the right foot, yeah. and we're going. We're going, we're off. So I, uh, I, I've, I've gone, I've been round the track <laughs> once already, let's do it. <laughs> so yeah, this is our second attempt at recording a podcast about the Columbine school shooting. Yes. Um. So yeah, we decided to pick this um, episode, didn't we, to tie it in with Murder House in yeah. American Horror Story. Yeah, so our plan of action wasn't it to take each season of American Horror Story... They've got 10, haven't they, yes. like normal main series. And we'll pick a case from each one. Yeah. And then let that dictate to us. It's easier than picking ones out of thin air sometimes because yeah. we don't nev- never know what's the best one that goes down the best. Or Yeah, it's tricky, isn't it? There's mm-hmm. so much out there. The more the more you get involved in this community, the mm-hmm. more you realise you don't know much. No. <laughs> I feel like that no. all the time. Yeah, <laughs> mu- you don't know how much you don't know. Yeah. So this was quite a good way of... Like, Doing it really, mm-hmm. I liked it. Yeah, we both enjoy American Horror Story, don't we? Oh, we love it, don't we? That's something that I think we both bonded mm. over. It is quite actually. early on. Yeah, yeah, it is, and it's like a, it's a really entertaining fictional show, but mm-hmm. b, I think the people that 
write it, obviously big true crime fans yeah. because they incorporate all the like classic American serial killers and crimes mm-hmm. and whatnot into their storytelling, don't it's they? It's just genius, yeah. You like you watch it, for instance, um I think the first series I watched was Asylum. Mm-hmm. I couldn't get into Murder House at first. I tried a couple of times, I couldn't get into it, so I started with Asylum. Nice. And I literally couldn't believe how much stuff was in it. Yeah. Usually these sort of long kind of like um dramas whatever you want to call they it they get dragged out they a bit don't they they get dragged out but mm. Asylum was it was like almost like they had too much to pack yeah. in and I loved it it was non-stop so action non-stop it? you're yeah. like oh wow now there's aliens now there's zombies the Nazi doctor yeah there was so much going on in that and I absolutely loved it so I think and Ed Gein type yeah there's yeah, so much yeah. so much so when we come to doing Asylum we could be spot for choice oh. yeah today's one is Columbine which yes um, the character of Tate out of um Murder House mm-hmm. was based on, wasn't it? Evan Peters, is it? Evan Peters is He's, the actor. You like him, don't you? I do like him. Yeah. I do like him. And it was disturbing when he played Jeffrey Dahmer because I still fancy him a bit, but oh, obviously really? Jeffrey Dahmer's a bit of a monster. So See, seeing him as his first role as Tate, yeah. he scares the fucking life out of me. There's no mm, yeah. There's no lust after him because he scares me so much. Yeah, he's dead behind the eyes in that, isn't mm-hmm. he? Literally, he's like, he's got really dark eyes, isn't yeah. he, actor? I mean, he, he plays, um, you know, a dead behind the eyes like, soulless <laughs> person quite well, actually. He does. <laughs> he, he, yeah, he's just so good at what he does. So so mm, good. Brilliant actor. Yeah. yeah. And Murder House, I, after I'd finished Asylum, I sort of got the concept a bit more and then I mm-hmm. went back and I did, I loved Murder House. It was mm-hmm. really good. So, um, yeah. And as that show progresses, you suddenly realise what Tate's character is all about mm-hmm. and it links back to Columbine. Columbine, yeah. Um, Unfortunately so. so. Yeah, <coughs> yeah. Columbine now is like a bit of a byword for mm-hmm. school shoot, mass, school mass shootings, isn't yeah. it? When people say, oh, this, it's a Columbine situation. Mm-hmm. Everybody in the world knows exactly what they're talking yeah. about. Yeah, and it's one of them that everyone kind of knows where they was when they heard of it, as uh, when it happened. Yeah, exactly. So. I think it played out like live, didn't it, mm-hmm. on the news and stuff Real in America. Real time, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. And then obviously the the killers, the shooters themselves, they took their own lives as well. So mm-hmm. it's they sort of went down in a blaze of glory as well. Yeah. It wasn't no like trial drawn no. out or anything like that. It was they took their secrets to the grave. So yeah. again, that left a lot of uh, questions unanswered and a lot of I think um, misrepresentation of like that, that why they did what they did. I think they wanted an excuse um, to put on these boys. For yeah. it to happen, and I just don't think there was one case. Mm. Um, well, we'll get into it, won't we? But yeah, mm-hmm. I think there was a lot of info misinformation leaked at the very beginning. Yeah, there was actually. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's just a shame, <coughs> but that's what happened. So shall we get to it? Yeah, let's get to it. So I think you was going to dig a, dig a little bit, weren't you, on the backgrounds of the two oh, yeah. um, young men? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Sometimes I'm going to probably refer to them as boys. Sometimes young men, because they were sort of like on the cusp when they were 17, 18 years old. If you call them boys, again, I do feel it's a little bit justifying their behaviour because they're children, technically, so they don't fully understand. But I'd rather not do that. I I think they 100% knew what they were doing. Oh, of course, yeah. I'm going to try to refer to them as men or young Mm -hmm. men. Okay. I think I'll do the same. (laughs) Oh, well, I can't because I'm I'm talking about when they're kids. True. (laughs) (laughs) These uh, (laughs) young men was kids at some point. (laughs) Sorry. I'm sorry, that really tickled me. I don't know why. I think it was just the way you delivered that line, Lauren. I'm sorry. (laughs) You should definitely do stand-up at some point. Oh, no. 
I can't feel my legs doing this. So imagine what I'd be like on stage. <laughs> no, no. Help. I just look at you, don't I? Like yeah. shocking. Please help me. I help. can't. I can't. <laughs> so let's get to it. Yeah. So Eric Harris and D- Dylan Kebold. K- Klebold. Klebold were two American high school students who, after plotting and planning for two years, go on a rampage and shoot up their school in April, the, the 20th of April, 1999, killing 12 students plus a teacher and injuring more in the process. There were 16 more school shootings that took place before this in the USA and unfortunately a whole lot more to come then after. We talk about this quite a lot, don't we? Yeah. We would have thought by now America should get some a handle on their gun laws, but unfortunately that's not the case. It's got so much worse since <clears> then, hasn't it? It really has, and it's a shame because this was shocking enough. Mm-hmm. But now it's like kids have to go to school with backpacks that... Uh, bulletproof. Bulletproof, yeah. yeah. And they're taught how to use these backpacks. Why the fuck should toddlers, kindergartners yeah. and... More after have to use protection against this. It's something we don't face in the UK. I think and it's President Trump said something about arming teachers. Oh my lord! <laughs> do you remember that? Oh god! And it, that's such a warped view. Yes, I do remember that. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like oh, it is your answer. More guns. More guns. What the fuck? Throw some more guns into the mix. It will be a case that kids will be taking guns to school to protect themselves. It's like knife crime over oh, here, isn't yeah. it? They yeah. all, they'll do it because they don't want to be the one that hasn't got a knife. Yeah. They don't want to be the one. Yeah. Can you imagine, though? Like, kids, have you got your homework? Yeah. Got your pet lunch? Yeah. Got your gun? Yeah. yeah. See you later then. Ta-da. See you after school. Bye. <laughs> I think after this case, they did start getting them um, invisible backpacks. Yeah, metal detectors. Metal detectors. So stuff was kind of changed, but not greatly enough to deter anyone from doing it. Yeah, that's the trouble. I think yeah. if someone's determined to do it, they'll find a way, yeah. won't they? Yeah. Like we were talking to um, our policeman friend Lee on the other day, wasn't yeah. oh, we? Lovely he mentioned. Chat. Sorry. <laughs> boing. <laughs> he mentioned the Dunblane massacre, didn't he? Mm-hmm. And um, that changed, obviously, it changed our gun laws, but it also changed the way the school, the security systems in schools. Yes. Because you used to just be able to wander into a school, didn't you? That's before right. That? And as soon as he said that, that clicked off a memory in mine. Yeah. I remember my nan just walking in, grabbing me, and yeah. going. Yeah. And yeah. I remember exactly when that changed mm-hmm. because they had to be buzzed in. Yeah, exactly. Well, I didn't, I'd left school by then. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never went into another school until I had kids. And I went to go in school and I couldn't get in. I'm thinking, why can't I get into school? Oh, but there really? was gates everywhere and yeah. a buzzer and then you had to be buzzed in. Yep. And I did not know that was to do with Dunblane. No, but That was not my... <clears throat> yeah, I mean, yeah, it wasn't... I didn't know that until we were talking about this the other day. And suddenly I was like, oh, that explains it. Yeah. So, yeah, you can see like there's one or two mass shooting atrocities in this mm-hmm. country and everything changes. Um, they were bad, yeah. And in America, they don't really do anything no. about it. <laughs> but, but yeah, anyway. Pick yourself up and try again, I suppose, out there, innit? I'm the teachers. Oh, don't. <laughs> Get yeah. some bulletproof backpacks and... Uh, Away you go. Yeah, still. Oh, well. We're not here to We're not no. here to criticise. We're just here to observe I and Because I think that's what we're doing. <laughs> Are we a bit judgy today? <laughs> Judgy McJudge face, I think, but hi-ho. <laughs> it's well-deserved, I think. I think every, I think the UK can see it. More clearly. More clearly, because yeah. we're out of it. I think so. 
Yeah, definitely. But it when you're in different. it, yeah, yeah. Um, I think Americans get a bit defensive over it. Um, but mm, when you're in it, yeah. you can't see the wood through the trees sometimes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a, diff- it's a completely different culture. I know yeah. we've got tons of stuff in common with the US, but mm-hmm. we've also got tons of stuff that is completely different. Yeah. So it's just one of those cultural differences, yeah, isn't it, it is. I suppose. But it's not going to stop us being all judgy. No. <laughs> <laughs> Soz. Sorry, yeah. not sorry. Right, sorry. let's get to it. Can <clears> you hear my chair squeaking? Yeah, I thought it was maybe, sure. Cool. Oh, sorry. Got, got I'm going to stop fidgeting then. It's all right. We've got a bit of the wiggle in us today. <laughs> so, Eric was born in 1981 in Wichita, Kansas. Wichita. Do you know what that reminds me I of? I love the sound of that name. Is it Zombieland? I don't know. I've only seen it once. Oh, sorry. They were all named after places. Oh, really? Yeah. Are they? So, there's, yeah. Oh, don't let me pronounce any more US states. Like, <laughs> what, like Hannah Montana? Yeah. I don't know. I'm like, yeah, no, it's <laughs> yeah. not. No. But, yeah. So, he was born to a Wayne and Catherine Ann. Wayne was a transport pilot for the US Air Force, and Catherine Ann was a homemaker. They were a middle-class family, and they moved around a lot because of his dad's job. Wayne was described as a very strict disappearian who would not have um he would keep a notepad of things that Eric did and what punishment was doled out for that yeah which is a bit odd do you not think uh, that just sounds like a, a military kind of thing didn't it like yeah. quite being quite regimented yeah like I just thought if my mum or dad had yeah. a notepad she she done this wrong today and this is what I did to discipline some her some people love a notepad though. yeah they love a they love a jotter yeah so, <laughs> to do list. Uh, yeah, to do list. Oh, don't. <laughs> so, while living in New York, Eric was on the Little League baseball team. And in middle school, Eric found an interest in computers and gaming. He liked to play with firecrackers and start fires when he was quite small. Starting fires, arson can be linked to a certain personality trait, can't it? Mm, yeah, I think so. So when in 1993, the family moved again to Littleton, Colorado, things started to change for Eric. Even though he was great at sports like soccer and he wore preppy clothing, he found it really hard to fit in among his peers. He felt angered and lost from all the moving around. He wrote letters and they said he felt lost and alone. So by the time Eric had attended five different schools, that's a lot of schools. And Mm. I think he's only just coming into middle school at this point. Yeah, it's not unusual for army children to move around a lot, is it? It's one no. of those things, isn't it? It is, but I think as a child, that all that disruption. Yeah. Like I've never had. Oh, I did move schools, but not to that extent. We yeah. just moved from London to Essex. Yeah. We still lived in London, but we I went to school in Essex because it was a bit more posh. Yeah, maybe <laughs> just, just a bit more safer. I don't know. I don't know. Um, no, I know why. I was kept behind a year, so I did year four. That year three twice. Oh, did you? No, year two twice. I didn't do year three. So I'd done year two twice because I was kept behind a year. Oh, right, yeah. And my mum went mad, moved Mm. me to Essex. Yeah. So then I went from year two into year four. So I'd never done year three. Oh. Mm. I didn't know that about you. Yeah. Now you know. Thanks for sharing on the podcast. Yeah. You're welcome. (laughs) So um, you should have known because of my intelligence. (laughs) (laughs) What do you learn in year two? Is that when you learn about... The discovery of America and things like that. I, I mean, because you'll be you. really good at that. Yeah, I'd love to tell you. I can't remember. <laughs> Was it dinosaurs? I'm no. just trying to think. Year two, what age? Year seven? Yeah. No. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. No. So, um, 
he was intelligent and a keen writer and he would describe in English assignments all the woes of moving all the time and the last move was really bad for him. Um, he had great memories and great friends and this is what he wrote. He said, it doesn't take long to meet a friend but it takes only two seconds to lose one and those two seconds are moving. Every time I lost one, I went through the worst day of my life, lost a friend. He said um, in the basement tapes uh, that his family forced him to start at the bottom of the ladder every time they moved and kids mocked him for his clothing and appearance. He had a deep hatred for the world, writing, I want to tear uh, tear a throat out with my own teeth and pop it like a can, like a pop can. Also saying I want to grab some weak little freshmen and just tear them apart like a fucking wolf. Strangle them, squish their head, rip their jaw, break off their arms in half and show them who's God. Blimey. That's a lot of rage and a lot of anger coming from someone. You can tell how uncomfortable I am reading that because my voice goes in and in and in. I can't handle it. It's really weird. I mean, I've not watched the basement tape, no. so I'd like to see what context that's in because you could say that in a complete fury and rage, or mm-hmm. you could say it as a joke because it is fucking over the top. Isn't it. He has got a bit of a god complex. We'll we'll get back onto yeah. it, but yeah, he. I uh, I think he's saying it quite seriously. Is it? Yeah. yeah, he means it. Yeah, I think so. So um, after a few years in Colorado, he starts his class in at another school, Ken Carroll Middle School, and this is where he met Dylan. Klebel. Klebel. <laughs> I have to look at you every time now. The two would become close friends. They were both into computers, video production, and had a fascination with firearms. And one of their biggest films that they used to watch was Natural Born Killers. Oh, good film. Yeah, it is mm. a great film. But yeah. for middle school, I don't know. I watched that, I think, after secondary school. Mm. So, yeah, they loved violent video games. And they also had a massive fascination with Hitler. Did they? Yep. Adolf Hitler. Who, who don't go for a Hitler phase, you know? I know. I know. <laughs> Christ almighty. I know. But again, they've got this, um, one of the T-shirts that Eric wore, uh, Natural Selection, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. On his T-shirt. That yeah. just goes to show you where he's... Where his mind is. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, Dylan was born the 11th of September, 1981. Quite a memorable day in US history, but not in 1981. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in Lakewood, Colorado, to a wealthy upper-middle-class family. So his dad was a geophysicist, and his mother worked with the disabled. They eventually started a real estate company that was very successful and where they got the money from. He was the youngest child of Thomas and Susan, and he was very intelligent. He was in a gifted student program in his elementary school, and he was also described as a shy and gentle boy. He loved baseball, especially the Boston Red Sox. He was a boy scout and that's where he met his friend, Brooks Brown. Um, um, so he lived a some, somewhat sheltered life. Um, and when he moved to middle school, he started to dislike school and found it really hard um, by fitting in with his peers mm. by high school he kept a journal which was been quoted ready oh god oh god i hate my life i want to die really bad right now and he goes on to make a list of what's good and bad in his life so the good things was a nice family a good house food a couple of friends and possessions what was bad in his life no 
girlfriends no, or girls as friends. No other friends except a few, even though I want to be accepted. Um, me doing badly in school and being intimidated. Me looking weird and acting shy. Mm. So they're the bad things in his life. That just sounds like teenage bog standard teen, teen yeah. angst. Yeah, yeah, it really does. It's I a shame so. he never had a chance just to grow out of it. No. And I think you can see the differences in him. I think Eric's definitely got a narcissistic, even streak. Streak, mm-hmm. yeah, quite psychotic. Um, whereas Eric, uh, Dylan, is more depressed. Yeah. Clin- I think he's clinically depressed. So mm-hmm. he's, uh, he's more about himself and Harry's hurting and that no one loves him. And Eric's just hates the world. He yeah. wants to set the world alight. And watch it burn. Eric's projecting it mm-hmm. onto other people, whereas uh, Dylan yeah. seems to be internalising it. Listen, Dylan's right on this with Eric. Like, he's fully with him in everything they do. Yeah. But the reasons why the two do what they do are completely different. <clears throat> yeah. Um, we've talked about men's mental health quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's just a shame he didn't get the help he so clearly needed. Well, this is the thing. I know you're going to come onto it in a minute, mm-hmm. aren't you? But there was some help. Yeah. But it didn't obviously do, no. the, do the job. So <clears throat> he worked as a light and sound, co- sound coordinator in school play productions. And at a Christmas party, Dylan met Robin Anderson and they went to prom together as friends just before all this mm. madness takes place. It was like a couple of days before, wasn't mm-hmm. it, prom? I found out this little fact, and I don't know if it's true or not, so I don't know whether to say it, but apparently he had a really big foot fetish and was into BDSM. When you said he had a really big, I thought, what was she going to say? Peen. (laughs) (laughs) He had a really big foot fetish. Yeah, foot fetish. (laughs) Ego. Yeah, no. Oh, okay. Yeah, but... We'll see, yeah. It's quite a pop- out of all the fetishes, it's quite a popular one, <laughs> it isn't is, it? It yeah. is. Um, we, when we talk to Charlie and Nina, Nina, we learn a new fetish every time, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think so, yeah. Eye-opening. Apparently, you can like make good money by sending photos of your feet on Let's the internet. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's give that a go. Sod up, Blue Murder Club. Yeah. Let's just do that. Just take pictures of each other's yeah. feet. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I said to Tom. I'm going to get Ernie, my English bulldog, an OnlyFans page. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> You're going to actually sell your dog into the sex, yeah. well, sex, yeah. uh, sex. Yeah, listen, he looks good no matter what he does. He can just sit there looking. He has always got a sexy expression on his face, yes. to be fair, yeah. His nickname, you called him um, Rapion, didn't you? Right, he, so, yeah. Yeah, he's but, a bit um, friendly, over-friendly. Rapey by name, rapey by nature, your <laughs> yeah. little dog. He's just a bit friendly. <laughs> he's a bit frisky. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn. Oh, love him. So, let's go back to where the two boys meet at middle school. In seventh or eighth grade, it's quite unclear, and I think you found this as well, the years that they... Um, how old they were. Yeah, how old they were. It's really... Pinpointing an age on these two fellas, it, I found impossible. Yeah, I did. And even like this, it's, it, I couldn't get a definite. So yeah. it's either seventh grade or eighth grade. There's yeah. no definite. Yeah. Really weird. Isn't it? Yeah, so they bond over the same teenage angst and their cynical view on the world. They like to dress in black and their interests grew into destruction. Their relationship was slow and steady, ascend to madness, which we know. They both had a mutual hatred of their surroundings and they both worked in a local pizza place called Blackjack Pizza. Yum. 
Yeah, and they would just vent off to each other on how cruel the world was. Um, Wind each other up. Yeah, I think so. Mm. I think that's exactly what's happened, yeah? Mm. And I don't know, I don't want to say, but I do think that Eric's winding Dylan up more Mm. and just knows what buttons to press to get him to go along with his Mm. plan. Oh, but he's playing. But they both done it, so I don't know, Mm. but... Yeah, I think it was both. I just wonder, I know um, there was like, I think they tried to rope in somebody else who mm-hmm. worked at the pizzeria. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if they had spent a bit more time in this person's company that they may have been influenced in a positive way. Because you know what it's like, yeah. especially when you're a youngster, you, you're more easily influenced, aren't you? Oh, when 100%. you're growing up. And if you are surrounded by positive people who don't want to like, set the world on fire mm-hmm. it will rub off on you eventually yeah. but it sounds to me like these two had their own little world of they like just, violent computer yeah. games violent videos and like you say winding each other up yeah they've made this world and they're quite content to lay in it and just let it stew. yeah let mm. it stew yeah yeah perfect yeah i think so so even though it was said they were a part of the trench coat mafia who was a group of self-described loners and rebels who dressed in black clothing. This wasn't true. They did dress like the group, but they wasn't in it. So that was one of the false reports straight Mm. after. The duo showed how they felt in their skill work. So they would do videos and write about how they felt and what they were going to do eventually. So the red flags are starting to show. There's a lot documented, (coughs) isn't there? I mean, I know that they obviously died, but there was a lot of... They, they documented well, like all their every thought mm-hmm. was like written down or mm-hmm. video blogged, wasn't it? Journaled. Yeah. Well, we had one teacher when all this went down thought they were just doing another video. They it wasn't shocking to the, to see them walking around with like what they were doing because they just thought it was part of another school project. So oh, I see. Yeah. Shit. Yeah, you're right. Actually, yeah. Yeah. So because they did constantly make videos, yeah. they were well into their tech, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, so one of the teachers said one of the stories they wrote was the most vicious stories she's ever read. Mm. So that's quite a big... Oh, excuse me. (coughs) (laughs) So they delved into their website by plotting and describing all the things they would do and even going so far by calling out certain people by name. And in 1998, Brooks Brown, the, the guy who went to scouts with him, found his name on that website where Eric had threatened to murder him saying how he's going to make a, pump, a pipe bomb to do it. Mm. Dylan was now, by now, severely depressed and he struggled really badly with his mental health. The duo both developed an obsession with Adolf Hitler. They idolised violence of the Third Reich programme and the Nazi party. Fucking awful, innit? it? Mm. They started to drift to the very edge of society and close the walls behind them. And it was just these two in the world they'd built. They would salute High Hitler while bowling together. You know the Nazi salute. <laughs> Sorry, so I've just when they, if they celebrated <coughs> a strike, then yeah, do how Hitler. Yeah, fucking hell. I know. So by now they've started to grow a little slash of Arsenal, and this obsession over video games now turned to obsessing over weapons. They bought free weapons from a female friend who was old enough to buy the guns in the state of Colorado, and they got the fourth weapon, a bomb from a coworker from the pizza place where they worked. They would buy dry ice and make small bombs behind Black Jap's pizzeria. They started to film themselves as target proper, target practice with the said weapons and talk endlessly on fame they would get after the massacre. 
one was said, I hope we kill over 250 of you. Oh, that was Dylan in one of the videos. Mm. They called these videos a hitman for hire and they wanted to show off the footage to the school. But the school would said they couldn't show it because it was too graphic and violent. So they was quiet saying, this is what we're going to do to you and this is how we want to do it. I'm just thinking because some of the um, documentaries, one of the one or two of the documentaries mm-hmm. I watched, they had footage of Dylan and mm-hmm. Eric walking through the school in their trench coats, yeah. looking all like sinister and menacing. And I was thinking, this doesn't look like CCTV. Well, how are they getting this? And it must have been from that yeah, film. It is. So they've done it yeah. quite often. Yeah. So they videoed themselves. Yeah. As like they've got the trench coats. They mm-hmm. literally look like they did on that day. But it must yeah. have been filmed beforehand when yeah. they're making one of their promotional videos or whatever. Yeah. But yeah a project video or something perhaps they did media at school or something like that yeah they did they done like film production and all that at school Um, yeah so they showed blood glass in every essay they did it weren't just the video groups it was the english net it was everything Mm. they had been suspended from school by hacking the school's computers to write and place a threatening note into an enemy's locker dylan had stolen a school laptop but was forced by his dad to return it and there was another report on this case that they were highly bullied and the bullies drove them to it. But that's not true. They were never bullied. In fact, they were they would often bully others and show pure hatred to others. So in February 1998, a year before the shooting, the duo was arrested for theft, criminal mischief and trespassing for breaking into a van and sealing the contents inside. They were placed onto a diversion program consisting of community service and counselling. We're both released a month early. So mm-hmm. they've got the counselling, what I was saying they needed. But again, I'm thinking in my head, was it? were they just quite clever in hiding it? I know Eric must have been. But no. how about Dylan? Like, was they hiding what they really were like? Well, if Dylan was depressed, I would wonder whether maybe he was on antidepressants mm. at that point as well. Um, but I mean, if the counselling was drawn to a halt a month early, it mm-hmm. doesn't sound like they completed the course. No, perhaps they no. should have done a bit more mm-hmm. with them. Um, well, might have made Dylan, a difference. Dylan's the reason they got off early. Dylan was the, was the one who was in the gifted thing mm-hmm. when he was a youngster. So he's obviously yes. Yeah, so. I think they're both really bright, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So um, they were both released a month early with Dylan being called a bright young man with a great deal of potential. Yeah. So it's Dylan that got him off that, I think. Because mm-hmm. he was, again, he was referenced as being quite kind and considerate as a youngster. Maybe he's showing that mm. empathy or whatever it is. Maybe Eric can't show. Yeah. And Dylan's got him off a month early. I don't know. I think Dylan was quite remorseful about <sighs> yeah. that crime, whereas Eric was enraged that he was punished mm-hmm. for it. Yes, precisely. I think it, the van was in question was unlocked, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, you're gonna say it go on, no, say go on, it. no no go on. you say it please well yeah the van was unlocked so mm-hmm. he doesn't he didn't see it as they'd committed a crime he was like well that the person who owned the van is the like doofus or whatever yeah. you want to call it what do they expect I of don't... course someone's going to steal it if you don't lock your van in it so he was absolutely <gasps> like furious that yeah. they got punished for someone else's in his eyes stupidity yeah mm. i love no i don't love that statement mm. but yeah that's, that's exactly what i was getting to it's a good Brilliant. insight though isn't it into mm-hmm. his State of mind. Precisely how that. He That's twists, why. Yeah. Twist the world to fit his narrative. Well, you can see him doing that with absolutely everything, I can't think so, you? Yeah, definitely. You can see exactly how he's got to where he's got. Yeah. By just that statement alone. Yeah. So, um, sorry, I've lost where I was. 
So they took two years to plot and plan the school shooting, which happened on Adolf Hitler's birthday, mm. the 20th of April, 99. Eric was a psychopath, whereas Dylan was severely depressed and went along with it. I've already said that, Soz. It's been suggested that Dylan would have been likely to do all this alone, whereas Eric, oh, Dylan wouldn't have been likely to do this if it was just him, mm. but Eric may have. Mm. So if it was just Eric and no Dylan, Eric might have gone on to carry on doing it. Yeah. Whereas Dylan most probably wouldn't have done it just him. Mm. So he was kind of talked off a ledge, I think. The plan all along was to be the get gain the most victims possible. Um, it was never about a trench coat gang, bullies or anyone in particular. So basically they wanted the most victims in the whole of the US history. Yeah. It was said these two didn't snap at a certain point. You know, when we get to sneak serial killers, things like that, normally mm. there's a snapping point or there's mm. something. These didn't. It was a slow and steady build-up. And there was a thousand warning signs and red flags. They wanted a performance of violence and the audience would be their real victims along with what the police um, watching and being victims too. They knew, the police did know they were a problem, as did the people around them. So, let's get what happened into that uh, that day. Carrie, back to you. <laughs> hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah, so as you say, this was a scheme that they'd been coming up with for about two years. Mm -hmm. So by now, they're 17, 18 years Mm -hmm. old. So from the ages of like 16, they've been planning this down to the absolute nth degree. They've been, um, I think in Eric's garage, they've been building homemade bombs, like little pipe bombs Jesus and other kind Christ, of bombs, yeah. methane gas bombs. Mm-hmm. Um, the intention was, wasn't it, was not for it to be a mass shooting. The intention, the, the main plan was for it to be a bombing. Um, I think they were quite obsessed with the Oklahoma bomber and they wanted to beat his body count. So what the plan was, was they were going to go into the cafeteria, mm-hmm. um, place a huge amount of explosives in there and set it to detonate at quarter past 11 in the morning which was um the first like i don't know what you call it the first round of lunch yeah lunch times 
there would be around about 400 students in there at that point. So that was their aim, was to kill as many of those 400 students with the bomb. The library building was directly above the cafeteria, so they're hoping that that would be enough to rock the foundations mm. to bring that room, the, you know, to destroy the library as well and have that crashing down onto the first floor. And then they were going to pick a vantage point outside the school on the steps to pick off any survivors. Mm. And that's when the shooting was supposed to have come in. Um, so this is what happened on that actual morning. So t- like you say, Tuesday the 20th of April 1999. It's coming towards the end of the academic year. Um, there's often like senior high school pranks. Yes. Like you, like you mentioned, high, um, I think senior prom had already taken mm-hmm. place. So things are wrapping up. There's pranks, you know, people are, you know. Yeah, well, we've seen it in American films before, haven't we? Like yeah, prank days prank and stuff days, like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. And like um, those days where you just take the day off and you go to the beach. There's all, it's, it's not like normal kind of yes. stuff, is it? So, um, so that does explain a little bit why it took a while for people to respond. Mm-hmm. And plus, like you mentioned, Eric and Dylan had already made loads of films and stuff in school where they are looking menacing and they're Mm -hmm. prowling the corridors and Mm -hmm. things like that. So, Eric and Dylan missed their first class that morning, which was a bowling lesson, which took place between 6 and 7.15am. What the fuck? This is weird. I'm like, uh, when I was researching this, I'm thinking, am I reading this correctly? Like, do I need to put my glasses on or... But yeah, their first class was a bowling class, which again, it's like, that's weird. Who learns bowling at school? And who learns it at six o'clock in, <laughs> at the, six fucking o'clock morning? in the morning? <laughs> but that does explain the really early lunchtime. Yeah, that's true. Because again, first thing I read was like, the plan was to take out the first lot of lunch people at quarter past 11. I'm thinking, who eats lunch at quarter past yeah, 11 in the true. morning? But if your, cl- if your day starts at 6am, then lunch would be yeah. at quarter past 11, I yeah. suppose. So, um, but yeah, so their absence was noted that they missed their bowling class. Apparently, like you mentioned earlier, they did like bowling. Yeah. Especially when they got a strike and did the Hell Hitler oh, thing. Oh, fuck them. So yeah, they didn't turn up for class. Later on that morning in school, um, their classmate, who was also a senior, Brooks Brown, mm-hmm. he was finishing off a test and he noticed that Eric was absent. Um, he thought this was odd because Eric was a really good student. Yeah. And uh, although Eric had started to skip classes he never would have missed a test yeah he's very academic there's no way he would have missed a test so brooks noticed that and he thought that was quite unusual he went for his next class which was a creative writing class and then he noticed that his other friend like his really old old childhood friend Mm -hmm. dylan claybald was not in that class Mm -hmm. as well so um again quite unusual dylan usually showed up to class but yeah anyway so that was that Uh, about 10 past 11 School breaks up and Brooks goes out to the car park to have a cigarette. Yeah. Um, he goes for a smoke and he bumps into Eric. He sees Eric pull up into the car park. So he strolls over and they have a little chat. And then all of a sudden Eric just looks looks straight at Brooks and he says, Brooks, I like you. Now get out of here. And Brooks is just like, okay, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, Brooks was intending to go anyway. He was intending to oh, leave, okay. so he... Just walks off. Yeah, the luckiest um, guy by the sounds of it. Massively, yeah, mm. I think so. It's lucky that they'd made up because obviously he'd had death threats made yeah. against him, hadn't he? Yeah, the that's year what before. I was thinking. Yeah, but they'd made up by now. Okay. Um, in the meantime, Dylan had parked in the other car park. Now there was a car park for the um, the seniors and the car park like for the juniors, mm-hmm. I think, whatever it is. 
and again it's it's just so odd because we live in 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 England and you don't learn to drive until about a year after you leave school no. up here, do you? So for a school to have a student, two, one student car park is weird, but to have two, yeah. I just thought it was a bit weird. No, it is. It does feels like in America, everyone does things a little bit mm-hmm. earlier and younger. Yeah. Like they don't have that much of a childhood because I read here also about that they worked in Blackjack's Pizzeria. Eric was a shift leader. Like He's still a school child, but he was yeah, also a, a manager while he was in the pizza place. And um, Dylan was a cook. That's so odd, though. Yeah. Did you work in, in secondary school? Yeah, I had a Saturday job. Most of us did. But I wouldn't have been a supervisor. No, I worked in a video shop. And I had to, like, restock all the old videos and rewind them oh, all. That's I'd love to I have too. had that job. I'd yeah. love to have worked in a video shop. It was a private video shop as well. Yeah. It weren't a blockbuster or no. anything like that. It was a proper old school. Yeah. 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 Oh, excellent. Yeah. I bet you got to see... It. That's probably where your love of 80s films comes from, isn't 100%. it? 100%. Yeah, because you probably just used to watch all the old that's 80s all, films. Yeah, that's all I used to do. We're rollerblades. <laughs> Skate around, <laughs> yeah. We well, had a pond in the shop as well. You had a pond in the back, yeah. Did you? Yeah. People don't tend to have ponds these days. Do no, they? it was in the middle of the shop. Oh, it was an internal pond. Internal pond at the back of the shop. Not a fish tank, an actual like no, in not the a ground. Pond. <laughs> I can't understand that. I know. No like water fountain pond. Yeah, but they're fishing it. Yeah. What? And we had terrapins as well. I love terrapins. No, they weren't for sale. They were just part of the decor. They're nice, but they. Stink, and whenever I smell them since, he takes me back to that video that shop. shop. Yeah, you had the coolest Saturday job in the world, Laura. I did. Blimey, you're so lucky. My boss used to be an alky, and he used to bet me if I could <laughs> run around the shop by the time he'd finished a quarter bottle of vodka, I'd double my wages. I never done it. Oh, but yeah, <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah, I love that. Anyway, so earlier that day, um, Dylan and Eric had driven out to a field about three miles away from school mm-hmm. and they planted uh, two backpacks packed with explosives and they'd set them to detonate um, at about quarter past 11 in the morning. The reason right. for this was because they also had put explosives in the school cafeteria earlier uh, that day to lunch. detonate yeah. at lunchtime at quarter with past you. 11. So I think what they'd done is they timed the one three miles away to mm-hmm. go off at about, I don't know, 11 o'clock bypass 11 something like that so all the local emergency services would be dispatched to that point oh the fuckers draw them away from the school so when the shit hit the fan in the school there'd be no emergency services to come to the aid of the children this is wrong to say but their intelligence is showing now because who yeah. the fuck thinks of that you've got to think who this is thinks 19 of that? Yeah, this is 1999 not many people even have computers no or the internet um, I think it was like dial-up internet back then. So yeah. Nobody, I don't know. I don't think I knew it. Did I know? Maybe one or two people had a, had a computer mm-hmm. and they were mainly people that went to university mm-hmm. and stuff like that. People didn't really tend to have home computers yeah. that much. Um, I know I definitely didn't in 1999. And your phone was just a phone that you could yeah. text your phone on. It wasn't... Um, Play Snake on it. <laughs> it didn't have the internet Face on off. It. Did you have the face-off one that you removed the face and clicked on another one? I've never played Snake. What the fuck? I know, sorry. Right. Get out of here. I know. I was more of a Pac-Man girl. Okay. That was my era, 80s. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I know people who have played Snake. <laughs> I'm one of them, you're one. so you're right. I'm probably the only one. Do you know, even my dad's played Snake because he's, um, he's got a Doro phone and it's got nice. Snake on it. <laughs> like it well done oh, I'm the only person on earth who hasn't played it I need to get it in my life yes yeah so I thought this showed an am- amazing amount of cunning and pl- 
planning yeah. and strategic thought because like since then you know that norway massacre mm-hmm. he used exactly the same um tactic as that he he blew up a building on the mainland so that all the emergency services were held up while he went to the island and did what he actually was intending to do so he's exactly he used this as a template wow these two 17 16 17 18 year old people have come up with this really Mm. like forward planning uh, tactic strategy i don't know like you say maybe when they're researching all their um Hitler stuff and Nazi stuff, they may have come up with war tactics and incorporated yeah, some of that. Yeah. Well, they took two years to plan this, case. Yeah, they've two probably years. done a lot of research. But they've, yeah. got, they've got school, high school, which, yeah. let's face it, isn't a walk in the park. No. It's quite time-consuming. And they've both got jobs as well. Yeah. How on earth have they got so much time to build an arsenal of weaponry, yeah. come up with all these tactics, make all these videos? I mean, did these kids even sleep? God knows. No. Um, but yeah, I was just thinking they sound like overachievers. They do. Yeah. So th- their main thing was it was going to be a bomb, the biggest, uh, like the biggest yeah. um, destruct destruction part of it was going to be a bomb. Made me jump out my skin. <laughs> Sorry, I just hit my Woo! microphone. I, I, I <laughs> shit my pants, Kaz. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so <gasps> they. Um, so once they finished planting the bombs in the field, they changed their clothes. Mm-hmm. And Eric Harris wears a white T-shirt with the words natural selection written on it. And um, Dylan Claybold wears a black T-shirt with the word wrath written in white letters. And that's when they put you on their long You know what they should trim. have? Twat selection. <laughs> and twat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, so they put their long trench coats and they also wear straps underneath the trench coats, which they use to conceal weapons. And they carry bags that are packed full of ammunition and weapons and loads of these pipe oh. bombs, these homemade pipe bombs. So it's quite easily portable little mm-hmm. bombs you can just chuck as you go around. Oh, I don't like it. Uh, yes. So, yeah, they were aiming for the absolute highest body count. Mm-hmm. Um, so they get to school, like I say, um, Eric encounters Brooks Brown. Mm-hmm. And um, this, this is when the massacre starts. This is around about 11 in the morning, 11.15 in the morning. Um, they, this is, sorry, I beg your pardon, 19 minutes past 11. So by now they realise the bombs haven't gone off. Ah, okay. Slight change of plan. Let's just start shooting the fuck so out So the everyone. destruction bomb's not gone off? No, because that was due to go off at the peak of the mm-hmm. lunch hour at quarter past 11. 17-year-old Rachel Scott is eating lunch outside on the grass with her friend Richard Castaldo. Mm-hmm. Um, they hear a pipe bomb go off. Like they see smoke and hear noise mm-hmm. and they presume that it's just a prank. Um, Rachel actually gets shot four times and she's killed. Uh, Richard is shot eight times <gasps> and he's paralysed. So that's oh. how they know. Obviously Richard yeah. is a survivor and he says at first that he and Rachel thought it was just a, high, yeah. um, a senior prank. Yeah. But yeah, so Richard does survive, but he's actually paralysed. Oh, love him. Uh, meanwhile, there's 15-year-old Sean Graves. He's outside the cafe with his friend Daniel, who's also 15, Daniel uh, Rothborough mm-hmm. and Lance Kirkland. So all three of these kids are just outside the cafeteria. Uh, again, they just think it's a prank. Mm-hmm. Um, Sean was on a documentary that I was watching. He was talking about that day, and he just thought it was a prank. Um and um, I think he thought it was just uh, like a paint gun. Mm. 
he's um they're heading for the cafe anyway for lunch and they get shot at so sean takes cover he ducks behind a wall but he doesn't realise it. In his backpack, he's sticking up over the top of the wall. Oh, no. A bullet hits the backpack, ricochets, and goes through his back. Oh, God. It went into his back and out through the hip. Oh, no. And at that point, he's paralysed, so his legs collapse and he's just on the floor. Jesus Christ. He manages to drag himself towards the cafeteria, mm-hmm. so he's halfway, like he's in the threshold, half in, half out the building, in the doorway to the cafe. His friend Daniel was shot and killed. Um, and um, he shot him in the face. So Lance was shot in the face, but not killed. Right. At this point, someone pulls a fire alarm. Okay. So someone's obviously realised that there's something going on. Yeah. They want to get evacuate the building. Um, there's a teacher there, uh, David Sanders. Mm-hmm. Um, he and a couple of the um janitors they um they start to evacuate the building yeah um they're with um let me see he's along with yeah two they call them um custodians yeah i think and i looked it up and it's like caretakers mm-hmm. so there's john curtis jay galatine and the teacher dave they go in the cafeteria and they start telling children to get out wow. as quickly as they can i reckon they saved a few lives by doing that mm, yeah i think so um, the head teacher is in his office at this point and his uh, secretary comes running in and she says um, there's a there's something going on you mm-hmm. need to come out he comes out into the hallway and he's face to face with um, the boys mm. the young men yeah and they shoot at him <gasps> uh, Harris Eric Harris shoots seven shots at him mm-hmm. and um, it just uh, the, the shots just they miss mm-hmm. he misses and at that point some girls come out of the gym which is just to the right I think mm-hmm. of, like in between them and then he gets out of the way that, that saves him he doesn't die um, yeah the bullets miss Harris uh, shoots five more students that are sitting on the grass opposite the west entrance to the school mm-hmm. Michael Johnson is hit in the face leg and arm but he managed to run away, even though he's got a gunshot in his leg, he manages to run away, he gets, gets out of the firing line. Yeah. Mark Taylor is shot in the chest, arms and legs, but he fakes his own death. He does survive, but he just plays dead. I'm not going to lie, I think that's the best option, don't you? I think so, yeah. In this situation, yeah. it seems to be, just played it, unless yeah. you can be sure to run away. The other, the other kids, there were five of them, they ran and they got away. Okay. But the ones that were hit... They, they didn't die, luckily, no. but they so they have eyewitness accounts as well. Um, Dylan now enters the cafe, the cafeteria. Mm-hmm. Um, he shoots Dan again, like one of the three 15 year olds, even yeah. though he's already dead, he shoots him again. And he shoots at this point, he shoots Lance in the jaw. Um, in one of the documentaries I watched, Lance was on what Lance was being interviewed as mm-hmm. a man like 20 or 25 years later, and um. They showed some footage of not long after the Columbine yeah. and when he'd had plastic surgery. Because I was thinking, fuck me, this fellow has been shot in the jaw. Yeah. And then I watched the documentary. I'm like, oh my God, that's the guy who was shot in the jaw. But they'd done a great job reconstructing oh, wow. his face. Yeah, he had um, like skin grafts and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, his cheek looked, you could tell there was something the matter with it. But mm-hmm. it wasn't too bad at all. And as a man, he's grown a beard, so you can't really see anything at uh. all. His, his lips look a little bit weird when he speaks. But some people are like that anyway, yeah. aren't they? Um, so yeah... For someone who was shot in the in the jaw, wow! He had a really lucky escape. Yeah, and um, lucky. and he was fine. He he's lived a really full life. He one of his main hobbies 
he's hunting, so it's not like he's got a fear Any, of guns yeah. or anything. Like he doesn't seem to get freaked out by the yeah. sound of gunfire and stuff. But he did say maybe when he was maybe twenty years later, so quite recently, it did really hit him. It hit him really hard. He got PTSD. I was going to say, like, survivor's guilt as well, because that's what they say. With things like this, sometimes it's not quite quick to wear. Yeah. But if you don't get help for it, it wear it later in life. He was fine. He said he was mm-hmm. really strong. He was just like, yep, yeah, it's something that happened, and I'm not going to let it fit the rest wow. of my life. And he was, and then, but there was something deep, yeah. deep inside mm-hmm. of him that took 20 years to surface. So it will always come out, mm-hmm. I think. But, yeah, he didn't think, he thought he was... Um, mentally tough enough to deal with yeah. it alone and it, he, it did catch wow. up with him in the end funnily enough so yeah that was a little bit of Lance's story um, so yeah um, Dylan although he like shot the de- the fella that was already yeah. dead and he shot Lance in the jaw he didn't attempt to shoot any of that there were still some more students in the cafeteria mm-hmm. and there is CCTV footage of Dylan walking in there um, he doesn't attempt to shoot any of the students that are in there and it's believed he was checking on the bombs at this point. He's checking the bombs, oh, seeing why they haven't detonated. Okay. That's his main focus is yeah. why these bombs not bloody well gone off. Um, Harris is at the top of the steps. Uh, the steps, because when I, I listened to a few podcasts at first and I couldn't get my get a gist of the layout of the school. When mm-hmm. people were talking about they were at the top of the steps, I thought internally, yeah. but it wasn't. The, the school was built on a few hills and there was steps built into the grass outside the mm-hmm. cafeteria. So that does explain why they could shoot people from the steps outside and inside. Oh. That's why I was like, I really okay. need to see what yeah. the school looks like. And it, now, now it made a bit more sense. Yeah, so I'm with you. Listening to, to other people's podcasts, I couldn't really get a gist of it so yeah, I thought I'd just you. mention that on our podcast people that are wondering um yeah can I have a look so Eric Harris is at the top of the steps and he shoots 17 year old Anne-Marie Hot 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 um at 22 minutes past 11 Deputy Neil Garner mm-hmm. gets a um a call through the radio yeah he pulls up at the parking lot he hears that over the radio a female is down and he oh. presumes that a, a girl from the school has been run over. So he pulls up, gets starts getting fired at by Eric. Um, so he crouches down and he starts shooting back to Eric. Right. So there's a they've returned fire, there's a bit of a shootout, but neither Neil, like the policeman, or Eric gets hit. Um, Neil Garner does say on the documentary he thought he had hit Eric because Eric ducked down, but he hadn't hit him. Eric had just like ducked down. Oh, him. so it, yeah. He's just taking cover. So now the shooters are in the building and they're throwing pipe bombs and shooting anyone they encounter at oh all. Oh, God. Uh, they shoot Stephanie Munson in the ankle and head. That's towards the library. Mm-hmm. Um, on the way to the library, they encounter Mr. Sanders. So he's the only teacher that um, actually died on this day. So And he's the hero of the hour, isn't he? Yeah, Got so he'd already evacuated the um, cafeteria and saved umpteen lives by doing that. And he's on his way to the library now to try and evacuate the library when he counters the shooters. Now, um, William, but he was known as Dave <laughs> Sanders, he was aged 47 mm-hmm. years old and he taught at Columbine for 25 years. So that sounds like he graduated and then went to Columbine. Into yeah, it, yeah. Must, he must have loved it there. He sounds like he's devoted his whole life oh, there. Oh, God love him. Um, he was a husband, father of four. And he taught there. He taught, uh, com- he was a computer teacher and a business teacher oh. now I'm wondering being those two were like proper into their computers maybe he'd even taught them 
could be. Possibly. Mm. But uh, he also did uh, extracurricular. He coached the girls' basketball and softball teams. He was very popular. Um, so he, um, he, yeah, so as I say, as they're heading to the library, mm-hmm. they encounter the shooters mm-hmm. and um, they turn and Harris hits him twice in the back of oh the neck. Oh, God. Like with a, with a bullet, obviously. <laughs> um, it doesn't kill him, however. Um, Dave Sanders, he drags himself to the science class. Oh, yeah, so Dave Sanders is with another student trying to evacuate the school when Mr. Sanders is shot twice by Eric Harris. The student rushes into the science class and warns everyone in there to keep quiet, lock the door, you know, duck her down under the desks. Um, Dylan walks up to Mr. Sanders, who has collapsed. Oh, God. And he throws a pipe bomb at him. Oh. And then he joins Harris and heads to the library. Mr. Sanders drags himself to the science room where he's looked after by the students that are in there and the... Um, the other teacher that's in there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really sad because he survives for three hours oh, before he finally dies of, dies of his wounds. And during this point, one of the girls who's looking after him, delivering first aid, she makes this massive poster and sticks it to the window, which says, one bleeding to death. Oh, no. I mean, this is at 24 minutes past 11, he's been hit. Yeah. Um, so this is where it goes wrong as well. I think... The officers were real prepared, wasn't they, for yeah. what happened? And I get it because it's not happened like that before. Yeah. Um, but if they'd have had a process, they could have got these kids and teachers out. Yeah. And hopefully some of them wouldn't have passed away, would they? But they left mm. it quite a while. Have you got the statistic there? Yeah, they Sorry. left it. Well, this is the thing. I mean, at this point, it's still going. It's still going oh. off. It's still massively going off. Um. There's only one policeman there at the moment. So there's nothing anyone can do at oh this point God. in time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the shooters, they go, um, they head into the library. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mm-hmm. Now, this is where there's an art teacher who works there called Patty Nielsen. Yeah. Um, she is on hall duty. So during lunchtime, I suppose right, the teacher's yeah. taking turns to just supervise the lunch mm-hmm. period. And it's her, her job to do it. She's with another student called Brian Anderson. She can hear this hoo-ha going on and she heads to the west entrance to tell whoever is causing it to knock it off. She's like, no, no. She sounds like a proper like, no-nonsense yeah. teacher. She's like... You guys need to knock it off. I don't care if you're senior pranking, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. She's fully expecting yeah. just to bump some heads together and, tell, and then carry on on a hallway, sort of like <laughs> duties yeah. anyway. She is, uh, she encounters, um, the, obviously, the shooters. They shoot at them and the double doors behind oh. her and the other student explode in the, like because of the bullets and the glass shoots out and she's hit in the shoulder by the shrapnel oh, from the God. glass. yeah. So she dashes to the library, she and the other student, and she alerts all the children. So she's like, get down, get down. She calls 911. She hides under the desk, gets the phone, mm-hmm. calls 911. Obviously, not a lot of people have got mobiles in 1999. No. I think she's the landline that's mm-hmm. in the library. She instructs all the children to keep silent and to hide under their desks. The 911 call. I've heard it, yeah. It's quite chilling, isn't it? It's brilliant, though. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. unbelievable yeah. so she's talking to the 911 caller and she's saying that they're outside the door i mm-hmm. can hear them and the 911 caller says um can you get can you get to the door can you blockade it to stop them coming in and she and she says that the teacher says i can't i'm too frightened they're right behind the door i can hear them i'm not going anywhere near that door and every every now and then she's talking to the 911 caller and every now and then she, you can hear her she just goes get, get down. down yeah just get down yeah you can hear her she like the the um the fright the the fear in her voice and the yeah. and the overriding impulse to protect the, the children kids, in her yeah. charge is really good. Mm-hmm. She done so well there. I yeah. think she must have saved lives by yeah. telling all the children to get to hide and get under. Yeah. And then you can hear the gunfire in the background. She's t- talking about smoke, so I'm guessing they're letting off a lot of pipe bombs to yeah. create havoc, confusion. She's talking about the smoke coming through. Anyway. <clears throat> You can hear them. They walk into the library. And oh, God. So, 29 minutes past 11. They walk into the library. Mm-hmm. And their first victim is 16-year-old Craig Scott. Mm. No, it isn't. I'm sorry. <laughs> I did this wrong before. So, it is Carl Velasquez, 16-year-old. Mm-hmm. He's a special needs student and he didn't understand the instruction to hide. Oh, no. So, he's just sat in his chair. But why didn't someone just grab him and, like, say, go and hide? I'm not sure. Nobody mentions it in any of the documentaries I watched. So I'm guessing he was sat alone. So Because oh. all the other children were helping each other yeah. and stuff. So I suppose he might have just been like sat on a single desk or perhaps oh. ran, I don't know. But he, or maybe he was just closest to the door. Mm-hmm. Didn't have time. Perhaps he was just a little bit slower to yeah. respond than the other children. So yeah, Carl gets <coughs> killed first of all. Um, Craig Scott is a 16 year old and he is in the library now he happens to be the brother of the first victim Rachel who got oh shot God. outside who was having a picnic outside so Craig is 16 and he's in there he's having his lunch break with his friends Matt 
and Sire. And they're, they're all hiding underneath the, the table. Right. The reason I mention Craig is because he's on a lot of documentaries. Mm-hmm. He's happy to discuss what happens on that day. So he's a good eyewitness account. Yeah. And um, at this point, the boys, the young men, the shooters, they go to the window and they shoot out the windows and start firing on the police below. Because by now the police have Yeah. Out. They start looking under tables. They're saying things like peekaboo. And stuff like that to all the children that are scared and cowering underneath the tables. Oh, no. They like find, uh, yeah. Just they, being, ugh. They're enjoying themselves. Yeah, I don't know. That's that. what they're doing. They're actually fucking relishing it. Um, 14 year old Stephen Curlow is shot. 17 year old Cassie Bernal is shot. Um, they pick out Isaiah, and he is um, he's one of the people that's hiding under the desk with Scott. With Craig Scott. Okay. So as the reason they pick out Isaiah is because he's one of the only black students in in the school. Oh God, love him. It was. I think it's mainly a white school, but oh. there was a handful of um, black students. He was one of them, and because obviously they're like neo Nazi type people, they're oh. quite racist. They pick him out. They say some racial slurs. They have a go at him, and then they murder him. Jesus. Um, then they kill Matt Ketcher. Um, Craig plays dead in the meantime. Um, they kill 18-year-old Lauren Townsend. They um, and then at 11:36 they kill, they move they leave the library. In the meantime, Sean Graves is still in the cafeteria. He's still obviously paralysed from waist down. He's he's in and out of consciousness. He can hear the explosions going off. The um, shooters they come back into the library and you, again you can see this on YouTube. There's yeah. a video. One of them walks in, has a swig of can of coke. Oh, and they're walking around and they start just shooting. airy fairy. Yeah, they start shooting the backpacks to set the explosions off. It does start a fire, but then the sprinkler system is activated, oh. so the fire goes out straight Good. away. But poor Sean, he's, like, he's laying there, playing dead, bleeding to death, oh. thinking I'm going to get fucking burned to death now. So, But he can't do anything because he's trapped. Jesus Christ. Um, finally, the paramed- ped- paramedics arrive and they manage to pull him out. So I suppose because they can see him half hanging out the building, they run in, they pull him out. I've seen... A- picture of that i think yeah probably um and they pull him out they put him into the um ambulance and all the while they're under fire these fuckers are shooting the ambulance sean says he can remember hearing the bullets bouncing off the roof oh of the ambulance. god <laughs> unbelievable isn't it um there were some more children that they murdered in the library um they murdered um amongst them was 15 year old daniel mauser now daniel i've i've Got, I think he was very, very brave. He tried to fight back. He shoved a chair at them. Mm-hmm. So he was uh, shot in the hand and he just shoved a chair at Eric Harris. Just a little... I know it's not going to... A chair is no. going to work against a gun. But he did try to fight back and oh, um, God, Eric Harris him. killed him. Oh. And the final victim was 17-year-old Corey Deputa. And that was at 11.35. That was the last victim. Jesus. So when they've left the library to go and check on the cafeteria and the bombs, the teacher has then said to all the other children, we can evacuate now, come on, out we go, let's go. Mm. So um, they left that library killing 10 children in, and injuring 12. Now, one of the children that I mentioned, Lauren Townsend, mm-hmm. she was hiding under the table with a couple of friends. One yeah. of her friends, I watched a documentary, she was talking about that day. And she's got, Matt, you mentioned survivor's guilt. Yeah. Her friend has got such survivor's guilt. Oh, she, God. She said, why didn't I just throw myself over Lauren? Why didn't I try and protect her? There was three girls hiding. Oh, um, there was Lauren and there was another girl who was one of the injured. 
and then there was this girl who was talking on the documentary and um and she said when they told him to evacuate she just ran and she asked her friend to come and her friend said she couldn't because she was injured and again her friend didn't die but she has such guilt yeah. that she left her friend in the library and didn't yeah. try to I mean, what could she have done? Oh, God. She's a teenager. Yeah. Um, but yeah, even all these years on, they're completely cut up by it. Obviously, you're going to have a huge amount of trauma, aren't you? Surviving something like that. It's horrendous. Yeah. So, yeah, they. Um, I think um, Dylan killed 16 year old John Tomlin and Eric killed 16 year old Kelly Fleming in the library as well. Oh, God. And then it got to 12, eight minutes past 12, and the two. Um, shooters committed suicide they killed themselves and so I think at that point the emergency services probably should have gone in and started to evacuate mm-hmm. the injured people but they didn't took them out took them a few more hours they weren't sure of the situation it, yeah and in the meantime that teacher bled to death and things like Jeez. that so, so yeah I've got some facts for you mm-hmm. some of the injuries that happened weren't nothing to do with the killers. A yeah. teacher fell through a ceiling when trying to escape Bloody and injured hell. himself. Fell yeah. through a ceiling. I know. I imagine that. Like imagine like I reckon like, I'm thinking of, you know, like diehard, the crawl space kind of thing. Oh, in the air conditioning. That's what I'm picturing. I don't know if it's true. Maybe, yeah. That's what I'm picturing. And they fell through, yeah, injured himself. Mm. Um where is the other one? Oh, I've done that one. So, yeah, don't worry. Yeah, apparently, like, some of the police that came in were Vietnam vets and the, the SWAT team. Oh, yeah. And they cried after seeing the scene before them. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's children. It's so much tougher, yeah. isn't it? Mm. It's awful. Yeah. So, go on, carry on. Where was you? There's some. I'll insert some more once you've... Well, there was um one of the um documentaries that I watched... Mm-hmm was the dad of um, Daniel Mauser, the 15-year-old boy that fought back. Oh, yeah. Now, he was talking about that day. And he said that um, the way that the authorities dealt with the chaos Mm -hmm. of the children that were evacuated and the aftermath was they took all of the parents of the children of the Dunblane children... Mm -hmm. uh, Why am I saying Dunblane? Sorry. No, it's okay. Columbine. Columbine. To the elementary school. Yeah. And then they bust all of the survivors to the elementary school to be reunited with their parents. So Daniel Mouse's dad has gone to the elementary school. Oh, no. And he said, as the day went on, um, the crowd of parents got smaller and smaller. He said he pulled up and he could see a child and a parent getting reunited. And he thought, oh, my God, I can't wait to be in that parent's shoes when I'm reunited with Daniel. So he's there and he's waiting with all the crowds. And as the time went on... Fewer buses were getting shipped out. There were fewer parents. It's getting more and more quiet. And there's just like a handful of parents left. Oh. And they were all told, oh, don't worry, there's one more bus to come. Oh, no. And so they're all like, they're thinking, oh, my child will be on that bus. And it was actually a mistake. The last bus had already been and gone. And all the parents that were remaining were the ones whose children had died or probably were in the hospital as well. Maybe they'd gone to hospital. Yeah. But yeah, they were the... So yeah, he uh, obviously oh, cares. was never reunited with Daniel because Daniel was a victim. Oh, cares. Um, imagine yeah. sitting there waiting, thinking, "Oh, that'll be me next." Yeah, because that, that's wait, what you do. Waiting for that next bus to arrive with your child coming Fuck off me. it, and yeah. you're one of the unlucky ones. But yeah, well, like you mentioned, the way that they handled it then has been refined since. Mm. Now the policy is just to go in. ASAP and speedily resolve the situation. Don't sit outside and wait for it to unfold. Yeah. Um, go in there 
all guns blazing. Yeah. That's what they do now. They don't sit yeah. back and wait anymore. Good. And um, so they did learn from that. They deal with it in a different way. Um, the aftermath of it, mm-hmm. that was part of the aftermath. Obviously, there was that film Bowling for Columbine, mm-hmm. which was a really good documentary and it was quite a um, anti-National Rifle Association film. Mm-hmm. I didn't really know anything about America and their gun, gun crimes no. and laws and stuff until gun I watched control, that film. Yeah. And I was just absolutely surprised mm-hmm. <laughs> about how easy it is to get guns yeah. and ammunition in america they have been like costcos and stuff like that don't they just sitting there you can do your big shop and have it on your yeah. fucking shopping list like milk bread gun eggs, gun <laughs> ammunition it's crazy and one of the scenes in bowling for columbine um the man who made the documentary michael moore mm-hmm. he uh, <laughs> he went to a bank the bank was on in a promotion encouraging people to open up bank accounts. Yeah. And in return for opening up a new bank account, they give you a free gun. Stop it. I'm not joking. So he went into there, he opened up a bank account with the camera crew and blah, blah. And the teller said, oh, I'll go and get you your gun now. And he went, okay. And she comes back and he goes, right, let me just point something out to you. We're in a bank. Yeah. She goes, yeah. And you're giving me a gun. She goes, oh, yeah. (laughs) Like the penny drops. Jesus Christ. Because now I'm going to rob you with it. Yeah. It's mental. It's an... Guns are just not seen in the same light. <laughs> like, they're so commonplace that people will give you a gun as a prize. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> or as God. a reward. It's fucking... It's a good documentary. It's really old now, but it's oh quite a good God. documentary, actually. Uh, Sean Graves, he was the 15-year-old who was paralysed from the waist down. Yeah. Now, he was in hospital and he got her rehabilitated and a few months later, he learned to walk again. Ah. He said to himself... I, when I graduate high school, which would have been like two or three years yeah. later, I'm going to walk on the stage and collect my certificate. I'm Bravo. not going to go in a wheelchair. Oh. So he did manage to achieve that. Um, and there is a Columbine memori- Memorial Garden like oh. on the outskirts of the school where the parents can go and um, yeah, just grieve and things like that. And like we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, it has become a blueprint for copycats. Yeah, People have looked on that and thought, I'm going to go yeah. with that. I want to get a higher body count. Uh I don't know. The teacher also didn't uh, didn't you say stayed yeah. on? Yeah, he didn't leave. the he- The headmaster of Columbine, who was the head that day, mm-hmm. he felt he couldn't retire. He said he oh. he stayed on until like, so. For instance, like the first year of the school, like four or five years old, yeah. until they graduated high school. Oh. So I think he did another thirteen years at Columbine before he felt he could leave. He felt he couldn't abandon their children. God over love there him on that day. Oh, so, yeah, that's really cute. They they said um, they had some of the survivors and the teacher, the head teacher and mm-hmm. stuff like that, years and years later. And they said, like, do you think about it? Is there a day that goes by you don't think about it? And every single one of them said, no, there's not. Every single no. day they do think about it. That head teacher recites the full names mm-hmm. every morning when he wakes up. And yeah. he said, that with, like, I will not let him be forgotten. He must feel so responsible. Uh-huh. He does. Um, in the, the documentary, like one of that I watched, he says, they were like my children. Mm. Every pupil that come to this school are like my children. And yeah. I feel responsible for every single one of them. Oh, yeah. yeah. Blimey. Yeah. So, um, as I was researching, I was remembering, I was just thinking about, you know, mass school shootings Mm -hmm. and things like that. I know at the top of the podcast, you mentioned that they used to be quite rare. Yeah. And obviously, they've become much more frequent. Um, So, (laughs) and I was thinking about, there's this old Boontown Rats song called I Don't Like Mondays. Do you know it? 
Is it that, tell me why? I don't like yeah. Mondays. Yeah. yeah, and I remembered that was inspired by a school shooting. So I looked it up because I thought, oh, I've always wondered. So I'm going to look it up. Anyway, so in 1979, uh, Grover Cleveland Elementary School shooting. Mm-hmm. 16-year-old Brenda Spencer mm-hmm. killed two adults who worked at the school and injured eight children and injured a policeman. And that was on the 29th of January, 1979. Right. In San Diego. California, isn't it? it Your is. favourite place. <laughs> um, and it's close to the seventies as well. It is, yeah, it is the seventies, yeah, nineteen seventy nine. Yeah. Yeah. Now she lived opposite a school. And <laughs> fucking mental, right? Oh. Her dad for her sixteenth birthday bought her a Rager rifle. Of course she does. Don't and every girl dream of that on their 16th. Yeah. <laughs> it's a semi-automatic Fuck rifle. Me. With a telescopic sight. So oh. she she's like looking out of her bedroom window directly onto this elementary school. And she starts shooting. No. And um, during the six-hour standoff, they someone asked her, like, why? What are you doing? And she simply replied, I don't like Mondays. Oh, my This livens God. up the day. After a while, she eventually, um, she exchanges her rifle for a Burger King meal. Oh, my God. And at that point, she she was 16 herself, so she was only a child herself. And at that point, that was the deadliest school shooting at the time. Wow. (laughs) It's bad, isn't it? Yeah, it is ridiculous. Um, The highest shooting now was the Virginia Tech shooting where 33 people were killed. And that was in 2007. Closely followed by the Sandy Hook Elementary School oh. shooting. 28 children were killed in 2012. Jesus. Now, in 2021, 250 shooting incidents happened in US schools. Mm-hmm. Right. In 2022, so this year alone, yeah. and I did this research in October, so far there were 257 shootings on school campuses. So that's about one a day. Fucking hell. Yeah, it's bad, isn't it? Yeah. So already, like, only, like, up till October this year, it mm-hmm. surpassed the whole year from the year before. Wow. It's weird, isn't it? Do you think it's been a bit of, like, a um, knock-on effect from COVID? Where people, like, all their pent plans... Up. Yeah, pent-up yeah. frustration. More, like, Could be. Much more children... Like, I know there's been huge reports about children's mental health was yeah. really damaged during the lockdowns and mm-hmm. that. I, I wonder if maybe this could also be yeah. associated with it. It's just a thought, but I, I wouldn't be surprised. No, I wouldn't. Um, and then I got to thinking about um, our own similar massacre, which was in 1996, Dunblane. Mm-hmm. The Dunblane shooting where 17 children were killed by Thomas Hamilton. Oh. Now, this was such a shocking um, incident in the UK. It was Dunblane was in Scotland. Mm-hmm. That it brought about the Firearms Amendment Act 1997. Mm-hmm. Which outlawed private ownership of handguns. Mm-hmm. There was a temporary gun amnesty... And a buyback scheme. That's what this was implemented yeah. by Prime Minister John Major at mm-hmm. the time. And um, it's just like, that's how it should be. Yeah. After Columbine, they should have done yeah. exactly the same thing. Yeah. Um, I was, I've read, um, I listened to a podcast the other day about a mass shooting that happened in Tasmania. And they did that buyback gun thing after Oh, as really? Well. Yeah, they, they responded it's very very similar, similar. Mm. yeah exactly so There's no gun control laws were passed after Columbine was there not no, one no and I think that's why Michael Moore made that documentary to try yeah. and get some raise some awareness on it and stuff but yeah. um, I mean yeah you know after mm-hmm. the latest one what's Trump say oh I'm the teachers yeah so the teachers can oh, shoot people God. as well 
So the aftermath of Columbine, these bastards and the parts they've played didn't just stop there, Kaz. Yeah. A year following, so this is all happens in the following year after this. A boy was murdered and his body was left in a dumpster. What, in Columbine? In, in Columbine. Oh, my God. A victim who was left that paralysed. You know the girl you said who was left paralysed? Yeah. What's her name? Do you remember it? No. Um, no, I'm not sure, but I know yeah. the one in the library. Yes. Yeah. Um, her mother shot herself in a loan shop where she purchased the said gun. What? So she went to a loan shop, got a gun and killed herself in said shop. Because of the pressure of what happened, yeah. yeah. Two um, two students were killed at a restaurant near the school on Valentine's Day. Mm. Um, and a basketball star took his li- own life, and that was all in the following year after mm. that. So there's been a lot more death than after. That'll be the ripple effect, yeah. won't it, from yeah. that day. Jeez, mm-hmm. that's yeah. mad. Yeah. Bloody hell. So we're saying our... Easy it is to get a gun. She's literally gone in, got a gun, and killed herself. What yeah. the fuck? Yeah, so it's, so, yeah, it's really tragic. It it's is. a real shame. It's it horrible. Really is. But anyway, let's lift like up the. We tone. need to because I'm so sad now. We've got a new game. We've got a new game. Woo-hoo! We've got a new game. Well, we've, we've played it a couple of times, but it's new for us. It's not the six degrees this time, is it? We're playing Meet, Marry, Murder. Meet, Marry, Murder. Murder. Yeah. yeah, that's better. Thank you. You're Gail, welcome. Gail Porter suggested it to us, so we're always going to try and attempt to do it in a Scottish accent. Scottish. Oh, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> so we're going to pick three people out of the podcast mm-hmm. that we've done this week and decide out of those three, would you rather meet them, marry them or murder them? Go. So go. we decided to pick Tate, didn't we? The character out of um, the murder house. Yes. The the dad out of the murder house. Yeah. Was he the one in the gimp suit in the end? Did they all end up in the gimp suit? I think suit they might have. Time? I think he ended up in the gimp suit in yeah. like Apocalypse or yeah. American Horror Stories yeah. or something. I think so. Yeah. And then um, you said the about the abortionist. Yes. Character that's in it as well. In the cellar, that's isn't it? In, in the cellar. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he does all the illegal bullshit in, in the, the cellar. In the 20s, isn't it? Or yeah, Victoria. I think so. Oh, yeah, yeah so probably. Like yeah. So, yeah, go on. Um, yeah, so out of the three of them, who are we going to meet, marry? I'm definitely going to marry Tate. I'm not even going to think twice about it. He scares me, but the dad ain't that great either. So, yeah, I think we're going to have to go Tate on Mary. Mary Tate, yeah. We'll meet. The dad. Yeah, meet the dad. He's a, like a... Chancellor. Yeah. yeah. And so then he'd be interesting he could help us out a bit, couldn't he? Yeah, yeah. And then we murder the, the abortionist. abortionist. The yeah. wicked bastard. That was quite an easy one. That I'm was... a bit worried when it gets a bit too sinister and we can't meet, marry, murder any of them. <laughs> I know, we're going to have to really shoehorn in the marriage bit yeah. up there sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Jesus. We can, so we can be like, oh, it's a marriage of convenience. Or yeah. they've got a bit of money. I don't Jeez, know. <laughs> we no, have to think of I something. Know. But yeah, that's quite good actually. Quite an easy one. Yeah. So anyway, everybody, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Thank and you. We really, really hope you enjoyed listening to it. We really appreciate it, don't oh, we? Oh yes, we do. We've had a fantastic time of it. So but, thank you. Yeah. And um you take care and we'll see you next time. Yep, see you soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye bye.